Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars Sessions podcast. Part that he loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars Sessions. This is the way, this is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and usually joining me here in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he would be usually the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. He does still have great hair, I can confirm that. It would be Luke Bly, aka Master Blywalker. However, my co-host... Is currently in Florida. He is in the land of Disney itself, checking out Galaxy's Edge and Mickey Mouse and all that good stuff over there. So uh, Luke Bly will not be on this week's show, which is always sad news. Um, however, I'm not going to be riding solo for the entirety of this show. Uh, there were plans to have uh, a couple of backup co-hosts on this week's episode. However, a cacophony of chaos led to... Uh, and, and none of them being able to appear, almost. Whether it is internet issues, ISP provider issues across entire states, um, working schedules, whatever it might be. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, the, the sessions must live on. There's no way I might not give the people what they want this week. But alas, at the last second, a, a knight in shining armour came in to help save the day. Otherwise, it would have just been me. However, for the main discussion... I am joined by the Welsh Mountain, the number one Star Wars scooper or insider, Vespin Bulletin, to talk about the news of the week from the galaxy. So that's always exciting to talk to my friend, uh, Vespin, about, about that. And I hope you agree when you hear it that it's a, a good, fun conversation. And um, we'll preface this by saying, whilst he may be the king of scoops, there are no spoilers in that discussion. We're very uh, mindful not to give away any um spoilers from any of the upcoming shows or games or films uh film news anyway so bear in mind when you listen you don't have to kind of wince thinking oh well we're gonna get a spoiler there is none so that is that is cool always excited to be joined by bespin um i know lukey boy is having a blast over there in the states so uh we wishing him very very well we're looking forward to his return but wishing him a nice holiday because that man deserves a, a nice break in the Star Wars themed sun. So before we get on, as usual, I want to get out a couple of bits of news from Sessions HQ. Big shout out to our latest patrons, Tubular Tommy and Eamon Jacobs, who have joined at the This Is Where The Fun Begins and the High Ground tier, respectively. Tommy, Eamon, honestly, lads, thank you so much for signing up to the Patreon, supporting the sessions. We genuinely, genuinely appreciate the support we hope you enjoy all of the shows that we've done uh, in the past the ones we're doing right now there's a new journal which has dropped this month the journal of luke blywalker where he's joined by matt royal to talk about some fabulous uh ooh, radio go listen go listen check it out go listen like tommy and Eamon have we've got a great podcast we can't wait for you here and we've got a jibber jabber coming out in the next few days where i'm talking about collectibles that i want from a non-collector's point of view we get asked an awful lot about collecting uh, and the collectibles. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk about some of the things I would like to have 
from the perspective of somebody who doesn't really collect. So um, hopefully you all like my choices on there. But uh, Tommy, Eamon, thank you so much. Again, we from the bottom of our galactic Star Wars loving hearts, we're so pleased and grateful that you've signed up for our Patreon. And uh, one more time, well, not one more time, because I'm going to mention it next week, on the 7th of May, Saturday the 7th of May, I, myself, me, Matt, will be at Nerdbase in Essex, in Battlesbridge, Essex, for their Star Wars weekend. Specifically, I will be there on Saturday, May the 7th, with my microphone ready. And I know that uh, a decent selection of the Session squad are going to be there as well. So if anybody fancies a trip to Essex, then I'll be there at least. And uh, a lot of the other Sessions heads will be there as well. It's Luke Bly's wedding anniversary that day, so... He's uh he's had to take a pass on that one though I can say he did he did he did check to make see if he could get out for an hour or so but sadly uh, other plans got in the way so um at least I will be there to um cover some of the day maybe have a little beer and just enjoy you know being in and around Star Wars fans once again so uh, that's the news coming out of Star Wars Sessions HQ however I can hear the chimes of Big Ben Kenobi in the background which you know only means one thing Luke. Oh, he's not here. Gangster, spicy, filthy, oi oi savaloi. It's the Galactic News Round. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has surpassed all previous Lego console game launches, selling 3.2 million units globally in its first two weeks on sale. The Illuminati is reporting that production for The Acolyte has been delayed to October. Filming is expected to last eight months and the anticipated wrap is now May 2023. And a 1983 Pally toy figure of Yakface purchased for 99p has sold for £2,000 at an auction in the UK. Hi, this is Details, actor, creature performer in Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Yeah, you're damn right. Five years after Visceral Games' closure spelled the end of Amy Hennig's first attempt at a Star Wars action game, codenamed Project Ragtag. I'm still sad about that one. The director best known for her work on Uncharted is trying again, this time at Skydance Media. Legendary game developer Amy Hennig is working on a new Star Wars game, and that's really exciting for a lot of reasons. Helming Skydance New Media is award-winning writer and director Amy Hennig, a game industry legend whose credits include the blockbuster series Legacy of Kane, Jack and Daxter, and Uncharted. To me, this is great news. I'm cautiously very optimistic, but for right now, I am so psyched. So we have a brand new Star Wars game announced from Skydance New Media, and Amy Hennig is going to be involved with this game, which is an absolutely huge deal for the project's prospects. And now, Amy Hennig and Skydance New Media's upcoming game. Great stuff there, and I've seen the fandom is buzzing and super hyped for this. That was, we've already ascertained, Luke Bly is currently being a gangster halfway across the world. He has hit up Florida, and he's hanging out with Mickey Mouse and possibly Ray and Kylo Ren as well. So uh, for this week, I am going to be flying this main discussion Han Solo, but I'm not alone. As Poe Dameron once said, I have a few friends to help me along the way, including one 
very mountainous Welsh man. You may you may know him as the Welshman who likes a leak. Bespin Bulletin. Bespin, mate. How you doing? I'm good, mate, but I'm not as good as Luke, who's currently at the Magic Kingdom um, in Florida and Galaxy Stage. <laughs> yes. So He's having a know, heck of a time. He's I having a hell of a time. Yeah, I'm I very jealous. Tell. Hello, yeah. yeah, he's over there. So I have picked up the Bulletin, uh, and we're going to have a little chat about a few things today, but mainly the news that Amy Hennig is going to jump straight into this one. Amy Hennig mm-hmm. has now officially been uh, recruited into the galaxy far, far away again, alongside Skydance New Media to uh, create and produce a brand new Star Wars game, a narrative-driven action-adventure game featuring an original story in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, Amy Hennig is a name that's probably very, very, very familiar to gamers, and possibly Star Wars fans as well, as this is not the first time that uh, Amy has been a part of the franchise. However, hopefully this time it will be a little bit more permanent. Uh, about a decade ago now, maybe, Amy was involved in a Star Wars game, which we've now seen, you know, we've, uh, footage was released. I think it was Celebration 2016, they released footage, mm-hmm. and it was went under the title of Project Ragtag, and it was, a, in a nutshell, a bunch of scoundrels, um, and it was an ensemble piece, which never saw the light of day, because the studio who was working on it, Visceral, were shut down, there was issues with EA, surprise, surprise, and the rest is history. However, Hennig is back now. Bespin is, other than being the number one Star Wars insider, is also a bit of a gamer, a huge gamer who knows an awful lot more about um, this industry than I do. So I thought, who better to get on and ask about this than the Bulletin himself? So, mate, firstly, Amy Hennig, how excited are you that she's back? Um, I was super excited back in 2016 when they announced she was doing um, a, a title for for EA. Um so having it back on board and having it possibly be some sort of revival of Project Ragtag is is nothing but a positive, in my opinion. Um, the Uncharted franchise is one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. Um, that studio, Naughty Dog, in general, they produce some of my favorite games ever. But Uncharted specifically are up there. Like They're one of, in my opinion, they kind of uh, shifted the, the narrative of like games can be cinematic and they can tell like fantastic stories, which is what that studio Naughty Dog does. But if it wasn't for Hennig um, creating Uncharted, like she did the first three games, worked partially on the th- on the fourth mm-hmm. before before leaving. But you know she she gave Sony one of their biggest franchises of all time, and I, I think kind of changed the industry um, massively with what what she was able to do with storytelling and combining cinematic uh, visuals with action-adventure gameplay with the Uncharted franchise. So bringing her into Star Wars kind of feels like a no-brainer, um, especially for a single-player game. Um, and from what we know about Project Ragtag, it was definitely playing to her strengths with all the big uh, action set pieces that she was having, but also it's following up scoundrels and... Nathan Drake, the lead of um, yeah. the Uncharted franchise, he isn't exactly a, a clean cat, cookie cutter um, hero. Like he's a bit of a swine, and he's a bit—he's a bit cocky, and he's you know he's a, a bit naughty witty. dog. Yeah, he's a bit of a naughty dog. Yeah, so um, you know the lead character in the Project Ragtag, Dodger. Um, yeah, he he felt 
very Nathan Drake-esque. Um, and to me, that's not a bad thing because we, we know Star Wars. We, we know there's a bunch of characters like that, you know? Um, you know, so yeah, Amy Hennig coming on board is, is nothing but a positive. Um, but this game, um, you know, it's, it's probably quite some time away. I believe yep. Skylands New Media only have about 50 employees at, the, at this moment. So they've you got know, a Marvel game they're working on, aren't they? Or they've announced at least last year, I think. Yeah, they, they're working on a Marvel uh, Marvel game. Um, they haven't said what it is, but you you assume that kind of takes first priority, just based off of the deal happening sooner. Um, but again, once they staff up and you know and everything, we'll probably have a better idea when to expect it. But uh, at the moment, we we've got a ton of Star Wars games coming up, so it's not like we're in desperate need of it. Um, and if people want to know more about Project Ragtag, the, the information is out there. Like uh, I have posted about it on my website, bestmanbolton.com. If you want to read it, there's a chance that a lot of this does carry over. So if you don't want to be spoiled, avoid it. If you are curious about what the story of Ragtag would have been, it is there. And I think it's pretty decent. Obviously, everything in execution is, is not the same as just reading it from a leak. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm positive about him handling is coming aboard um and i'm glad she's getting a chance to actually tell the tale that she wants to as and you know ea being ea Ugh. shut down visual games move that project elsewhere it was supposed to be more of an open world game at some point like after they removed her um so i'm glad she's well she's she's her own boss in this situation i'm glad she's gonna have her vision so to speak Man, Star Wars loves a redemption story in the, in and out of universe. The Uncharted games have sold over 40 million units, which is huge. Uh, it's a shame that she wasn't on board with the Uncharted film, which came out this year, which I wasn't as much of. Do you, do you quite like that film? Am I right in saying? I mean, I think it's above mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 I thought I was harsh with my ratings. Yeah. Yeah. I give it a six, you know? Um, which is okay in my ratings on my scale. Um, I, I think I gave it a five and five and a half. I think because yeah, yeah it, it, it's better. It's just about better than mid midway. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for somebody who hasn't played the games, and this is kind of one of the the crux of this conversation, which a lot of people out there who are listening probably have played the game. But I imagine there's an equal amount of people who haven't played them. I went into that film, and this is relative. Not I knew that I knew the character of Nathan Drake. And I kind of knew the epic cinematic um, stories that uh, the the games undertook, but I came out the the the, the film thinking not really a very good advert for the game. And I know it's an adaptation; it's not meant to be a a, sell, a, a selling point or you know a calling card. However, at the same time, is <laughs> you, you got to imagine that the producers and developers were thinking, well, this if this slaps, then you know we may get more people coming to play our game. So with that. Uncharted. How how well would that translate to Star Wars? Because I've I've read that Project Ragtag um, synopsis that you had on bestbinbulletin dot com. I thought the story sounded pretty cool. The characters sounded good. Like you said, on paper or on a website screen is one thing. How they translate to um, actual gameplay is is remains to be seen. However, the the synopsis and the write up was pretty exciting. But I don't know. She's done more than just uncharted i think uncharted is like is the big boy when when you think about what amy hennig's done she's also done legend of kane she's done jack and dexter 
not including all three of those in, what can she bring to the Star Wars universe? We know it's going to be epic. We know it's going to be sweeping. What else could she bring? Is there any kind of signature styles that she has? I wouldn't say she has any, any signature styles. Um, those three games, those three franchises are very, very different. Um, I'm not a Legacy of Kane player. I have played the Jack and Daxa series. Um, but the Jackson, Jack and Daxa series is... Uh, so Naughty Dog used to make uh, Crash Bandicoot games. And Jack and Daxter kind of was the bridge between between that and uh, Uncharted. Um, the first Uncharted kind of spawned from a failed Jack and Daxter four, I think. Um, you know, so I think with her past work, the only one you can really compare it to would be Uncharted, um, because even the first Uncharted, the first game, um, was quite mediocre. Like as a as a story, you know. Uh, they only improved as they went and she was able to tell a story way better. I think the first one was like I said, it came from Jack and Daxter you know, it was just in a, it was just the studio evolving, but once they found their feet with what Uncharted is and what game, she could actually delve into the characters and she could delve into the cinematic experience of the games um, based off of what we know of ragtag that would have been the focus again is the characters is the group dynamic and as far as the gameplay um it can, kind of just felt like uh this isn't a, a bad way but more of your typical action adventure game you know there wasn't uh anything out there that's you know really shocking mechanically or really like game changing mm-hmm. it is quite simple like, the uncharted games themselves are, are very simple um it's just how it's interwoven with the cutscenes and uh, you know and all that stuff. But um, with the, the thing to look out for with Hennig is the characters and is the writing of the characters. Um, and like I said, if you if you dive into the into the plot of Ragtag, um, Dodger, our lead, uh, he he kind of feels like a Han Solo meets Nathan Drake yes. type of character. Um, you know, there's no lightsabers involved. It's a it's a group of of scoundrels. It's a you know that's that's what it's about, and that's like a story she is kind of ready made to tell. You know, um, I, I, again, I, it kind of gave me Rogue One vibes as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a little bit of Solo meets Rogue One meets Uncharted. Like that's how it like sort of felt to me. Um, you know, so. Group dynamic like that, yeah, of course. Like if you look at the Uncharted games, Nathan Drake, <clears throat> you know, he's the young buck, he's the witty, sarcastic guy. Then you have an older guy, his mentor Sully. You know, yep. you would have had that with <laughs> Uncharted, uh, Uncharted, and in Ragtag with the character of Buck. You know, then you have uh, uh, Roby Maddox, who would have been the co-lead with Dodger, and uh, she's she's quite similar. She's quite um, gotcha. you know, she's a uh, She's quite similar to to Nathan Drake as well in, in her writing because the females in uh, Uncharted, the fe- like the lead female characters, uh, Elena and Chloe, um, mm. they aren't super well written, and because they're not they're not like part of the forefront like Nate and Sully are, they come in in bits and in you know bits and bobs, but uh, for her then to be able to write a female lead in Ragtag as well. That would have been exciting. That would have been a new step in her writing career, um, which I think she would have done well at. But uh, I wouldn't expect anything groundbreaking unless they are bringing in developers to make something 
really unique for what this is. Even if it's a revival, they could have new ideas and new plans for the gameplay and the mechanics. Um, but that remains to be seen. And until we know uh, more of the employees, they start to hire. Um, I don't think we'll understand quite what they're going for. So I would say just keep expectations as a typical action-adventure game, but with the Star Wars coat of paint. And Hennig's writing. And honestly, that's a great game on its own. This is what I was going to say. You Obviously, you're saying to temper expectations and you don't expect anything necessarily groundbreaking, but potentially very good uh, as we heard up top people are very excited about this game you know youtubers and game pundits simply because of amy hennigs what is it you know why 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 does her name suddenly bring such a weight and excitement to this story is, is it because she is just one hell of a storyteller yeah i think so i think it is just what she did with uncharted and what uncharted did for the industry like like sony uh during the playstation 3 era they were losing they they were they were on their backside, um, and Uncharted and what it could do for video games and what it did for Sony's platform gave it a revamp and gave it the hope and gave hope you know Star Wars, um, you know it gave it new life and it became a staple and still is a staple of of cinematic storytelling in video games and as a marquee Sony product. You know, like Uncharted, I think Uncharted 4 is like the second or third best Sony game of all time. Um, you know, and that wouldn't have happened without Amy Hennig's writing and her building a legacy and so much fanfare around uh, Nate and around, you know, the other characters in Uncharted. Like even the movie, like <clears throat> the movie didn't have Naughty Dog's blessing. Um, so really, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> You know, I think anybody looking at uh, at that movie as a way in, as a way into like, is this what I can expect from uh, Amy Hennig? No, like, like hmm. that film um, takes very loose elements out of four, which she didn't like rightfully. She did half of the work before leaving to take on Star Wars. Um, you know, and they don't adapt any of the games. They don't adapt the first three games that she, that she worked on. It's a completely new tale. Um, so if you watch the movie, don't worry and panic, you know, about... <laughs> yeah. about it's the... interesting, though, because like I said, I haven't played these games I want to. And mm. so I was, you know, I kind of... And, and as, you know, being around people like yourself and Anna and people like that who know games and who can comfortably say, this isn't based on the game. I kind of went in knowing that it wasn't a straight-up adaptation, but... There is the potential there will be people out there who who will have seen the Uncharted film. And look, there are probably people out there who love that film, more power too. It's not the worst film in the world. But they'll they'll think, oh, this this is what people are getting excited about. And then they'll hear that um we now have a Star Wars game in production by the one of the the, the main leads behind the franchise in general. And they might think, you know what? Into that. But that's why I wanted to hear from yourself as to why people should be getting excited or why people are excited or what the potential of this game is because Project Ragtag sounded good and that very short uh, bit of footage and images we got looks very intriguing. It's, it became one of those like, mythical uh, things in Star Wars, a bit like 1313, the, the mm-hmm. Boba Fett scrapped game that we'd see, we, you know, we saw this shot of um, 
Dodger must have been, I assume, you know, in on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, looking up and you've got those kind of very like Nazi-esque logos looking down and you're like, this is, this is interesting. This, what, what could we be getting out of this? Like an ensemble ragtag scoundrel cr- crew. And it's funny that EA scrapped the game because they wanted multiplayer modes and things like that to make it more accessible and make more sales. Then went and gave us Jedi Fallen Order, which, uh, upon it's release also, was yeah. very much a single player game. Yeah, it's also worth noting with the with Ragtag, uh, she was bringing in Nolan North to do a voice. Yes, a voice I heard that, yes. Um, as well, and uh, she was trying to bring in some star power, like uh, uh, Ruby Maddox. Um, they were bringing in uh, Natalie Morales from uh, Parks and Recreation yep. uh, to portray her, and uh, they're bringing in Gillian Jacobs from Community uh, for a character called Una. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see if when she does take over, when she does start producing this game, that we do see familiar faces, um, you know, known actors and actresses in the voice acting world and in live action coming into this game as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's always exciting when it's a recognizable face, like Janina, like Janina Gavanka, recognizable. We knew her from like True Blood, The Morning Show, other things. And then, you know, <laughs> the. Uh, yeah, when the uh, with the Jedi Fallen Order stuff, um, you know that game itself takes very takes takes inspiration from Uncharted for one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it takes uh, it takes inspiration from the Souls games, mm-hmm. Metroid games, and Castlevania. You know, and that's in a Star Wars skin, and it works. It works very very well. Um, so I have no problem with her taking the basis of Uncharted upon a Star Wars skin on it because. We've seen it work before. Um, from everything I know about Ragtag, from people involved with that project, they were so excited, and everybody involved was so excited. It just wasn't hitting the milestones that EA needed it to hit. Also, remember that EA themselves kind of went anti uh, single player; like they didn't believe in single player games until Fallen Order was the success that it was. Um, Jeez, uh, as Palpatine would say, Ironic. Because yeah. they had this, they had, like you said, all this star power and this potential for an absolutely boss single player game. Ditched it mm-hmm. because they wanted multiplayer for longevity. Now, and yeah, yeah Fallen Order th- for them, you know, thankfully for them, Fallen Order was a yeah. was, was a smash hit, and for people like me who loved the game. But yeah. it is funny how this kind of thing happens, and now, yeah, back in the game. But now we're we're at the position where. Um... You know, EA doesn't have the license license exclusively after next year. This is, this is so true. That's why, like now, you are getting studios playing to their strengths. You want an open world Star Wars game? They've brought in Ubisoft to do that. Who yeah. do Uncharted, Watch Dogs, like they are the kings of open world games at the moment because um, they produce so many. Um, you want a you want a first person shooter? Respawn are doing that for you because they did. Titanfall and Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2, one of the best FPSs in the last 10 years. And <laughs> Lots then, of fans very upset that the, yeah. the respawn announcement wasn't the Titanfall follow-up. It was yeah. actually a Star Wars game. Yeah, and then even with respawn, like they came from Infinity Ward, which are studios that made the two best qualities of all time, Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. Like They are the best people to get for that project. Then you got like a turn-based game made by the people who made XCOM. Like everybody's now playing to their strengths in these games. So for a cinematic, witty action adventure game, it's like because the chart is inspired by Indiana Jones, you know, heavily. Um, you got Hennig for that. 
and that is the best version of that game if you want a game like that to exist so the perfect thing now with star wars games is we're all going to get something that we want whether that's turn-based cinematic uh action adventure and shooters shooters open world we're getting it we're getting it all um we're like we're going to be living in an incredible time for star wars video games it's not just okay we just gotta hope ea doesn't cancel the game this year (laughs) we're past that now yeah, hopefully Lucasfilm um, games are more solid at um uh, keeping their release dates in. Lucasfilm are keeping yeah. their release dates. Um, just on that, mate, I, I'm I'm all for more studios getting uh, the, the exclusivity deal going because, like you said, it opens the possibility now for the estimate, the subject matter experts, the best people in the business, getting their hands on the franchise and giving us the best game rather than a botched job by a studio which maybe can't handle it. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned. Jedi Fallen Order 2, mate. Celebration is, <laughs> mate, we're, we're just around the corner. Um, obviously, bestbinbuddhism.com again is the place to go, but what's the, what's the, what's the word then on getting this trailer or any kind of, uh, news or, or a title or anything at Celebration? Are we, can, should we start getting excited? Can I start getting excited? Yeah, I would say so. I was told last year, um, that the, the aim was Celebration. Um, I was told again in January this year, the game is celebration. And it was just, I think about a week or two ago, I was in contact with some sources and they told me the title of the sequel. Hey, it's a really good it. one, isn't it? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know the title. Just a disclaimer for anyone no. listening. I have no genuinely have no idea what the title is. I don't, I don't have authority to say the title yet. Um, but What's your opinion on it. I'm not a fan of it <laughs> at the moment. It'll grow on me probably, but like, yeah. Um, so <sighs> if if this is going around now, if the tells come around now, usually that's an indicator that yes, they probably will show it at celebration. I was always told that they were planning for it. Um, I don't know if the game is still going to hit this year. Um, yeah. There's very contradicting information as to where they are in production and what's going on. Um, so it's hard to say. Uh, they would probably tell us that celebration, which means we've only got a month to go, but uh, it's more fluid. You know, um, production on video games are far more fluid than it is on TV shows and, and films. Like, uh, you know, we know Ahsoka starts filming, like, right now, basically. Um, we could probably predict that'll come out in a, 11 to 13 months' time. You know, um, whereas a, a video game, so much can happen, so much can go wrong. Factor in the two years that they have worked on this game, a lot of it has been from home. Yeah, um, of course. But Respawn is a massive studio now. They have so many teams. They have at least three teams. Um, so they could bring them in for support. Um, EA has done it with their past titles during these sort of times. So I wouldn't rule out the end of this year, but don't set your hearts on it. You know, but it is coming and, you know, just you can be excited for celebration. I'm yeah. pretty sure it'll gonna be there. Like ninety five percent. So I'm already excited for Fallen Order Celebration. Our boy Greasy Money, baby, Danny Roebuck said, you know, he's got no idea if he's even gonna be in it. But as we've had discussions off air, that isn't necessarily cause for concern about whether we're gonna see the Mantis gang again because you know, they've got the they've got the character models, they would need new voice lines, but that in itself wouldn't take as long as it would have done in, in the first game, they wouldn't even necessarily need to do um, performance uh, capture, though 
uh, our boy Danny Roebuck said would be better to do that to get the no, because you're acting, you want to get the best performance you want to act. So mm-hmm. see where that where they go with that. Um, for, last thing on the games then, mate, is the Kotor remake, but remake by Aspire, Knights of the Old mm-hmm. Republic, the remake. Um, yeah, I know you've played that game. I know you're you have thoughts on it. It's been announced for a little while now. Um, how you you excited for that game? Because again, I mentioned this because a lot of our listeners are excited for the KOTOR remake. We put out, I think it's the beginning of the year or towards the end of last year. We asked, you know, what are you most excited for in this coming year or in, uh, in the, with the released projects or sorry, the announced projects. What are you most excited for? Uh, and there was so many people, mate, who said KOTOR. Uh, what are your thoughts then? What, what can Aspire bring to the table? Well, Aspire is a hard one to judge just because they are mostly known for just doing ports of games. Um, bring them to different systems and different uh, different hardware. Uh, so I don't know what to expect too much from them because I can't really judge them as a developer. You know, like um, I can't judge Skydance New Media as a developer because they haven't developed any games at this point. <laughs> um, but you know, when we talk about past games, just now we're talking about like Ubisoft doing an open world Star Wars game and Respawn doing an FPS. You know what to expect from those because of. Uh, their past work so you have expectations um but for kotor it's hard it's really hard to, to gauge that but from everything i've been told about kotor um it's going well the the aspire team have brought in people from uh who used to work at bioware to work on this That's... game um so the people who used to work on the original kotor one and two are working on this um i know they've changed the uh, the gameplay a little bit. So it used to be turn-based. It's, I think it's a bit more traditional now, traditional gameplay. So it's not turn-based, I think. Is that going to, um, is that going to disrupt the, the magic of the game? What, what people so, what people love so much about it? Or is that actually just going to be some people, For some people, I'd assume so. Like, you know, um, but this is updated from more modern times and more, uh, you know, a more modern audience where like turn-based games aren't as popular as they once were. Um, you know, you've, and the more casual fan, you know, of, of video games, like the the people who buy a, a console just for Star Wars games, like, you know, they don't really have Star Wars games that are turn-based now. You want it to be far more accessible to the average consumer, you know, than a turn-based game. And I think personally, on my behalf, that's a smart move. I'm not a big fan of turn-based games either. So I am personally more excited by this. Um, but from, Rivier Bakoto, uh yeah, it's going well. Um I think it's late twenty twenty three is the aim right now. Um it should be the first one out of the gate once the EA thing is all over with. Um, with a smirk. With a smirk. Um but yeah, like I'm so glad that they are doing this because uh it was locked to just the Xbox console when it initially released. It's gonna be locked to PlayStation 5 for a year. But it is it is going on PC, and uh, yeah, so if you haven't got a next-gen console, and you want to play KOTOR Remake, you've probably got about a year and a half until you you need it, and hopefully they're more available on the market at that point. But if you're an Xbox guy, and you, you're willing to wait an extra year, more power to you, you know? Um, but we're in, we're in such a good place coming up for Star Wars games, um, just like we are with TV, you know? Uh, we got a new series, well, from Kenobi onwards, it's going to be a new a new series every few months. Um, you know, and 
we're really living in a great in a great Star Wars timeline right now with all the TV shows, the the video games, and hopefully they can sort what they what they're doing up with the movies. Um, yeah, and I think all we have. <laughs> um, so yeah, just Kotor is going to be great. Wherever you're before, Lord is going to be great. I'm just excited, man. It's a it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. No, I've said it before on this show many times. This is what it's about being a Star Wars fan, being excited for a glut of uh, projects. Hey, look, I might love all of them. I might not love all of them. I don't care. It's Star Wars. And I know that I'm going to be able to enjoy some of the fine dining that we've got on offer. So uh, nice one. Thank you for that. Best spin, mate. Uh, Before we move on, though, let's hear. We've got a couple of voice messages in from some of our listeners with some of their thoughts on uh, Amy Hennig's appointment or reappointment back into the Lucasfilm family. Let's hear them. Hey, guys, it's Katie here. And Amy Hennig is back in the Star Wars game, literally. And I'm over the moon for her because, obviously, we all know she was doing her stuff for EA's Visceral Games. She was working on Project Ragtag, which was, like, going to be this heist, this, I don't know, this, like, heist, story featuring smugglers and stuff and it was kind of cool because obviously it looked like it wasn't going to focus heavily on like the jedi and sith kind of thing kind of side of star wars which i mean we all love but sometimes it's like can we get a bit of something else (laughs) just 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 occasionally like we've got with the mandalorian and and things like that which is cool um but obviously sadly it got cancelled when ea closed down visceral games and then it just kind of went quiet for a little bit with with uh, amy hernig but now, obviously, she's with her new studio at Skydance. Uh, she's obviously now making a new Star Wars game, and I'm really happy for her because she is a veteran in the video game industry. She's worked for Naughty Dog. She worked for EA. and She knows her stuff when it comes to really rich story experiences. So I definitely have a lot of faith that she's going to do, do some good stuff, especially from what we saw previously with Project Ragtag. Again, I'm just kind of hoping maybe we get something that's not focusing on jedi and sith you know i mean i'll take anything at the end of the day but um especially from someone like her with her caliber of storytelling and gaming maybe something mandalorian or maybe you know the rumor is that she is working on a project ragtag supposedly again so if she could revive that that would also be really really cool but yeah give us something with mandalorian especially i feel like there's just such a mandalorian kick right now especially because of the mandalorian book of boba i would love a mandalorian focus video game be so good. Be so good. Uh, but thank you very much for uh, letting me contribute and keep up the great work. Hello there, Matt and Luke. I hope you are both keeping yourselves spicy. Uh, I just wanted to send you both a quick message just to say, really, that I'm rather excited at the news that Amy Hennig is working on a new Star Wars game. I think it has got so much potential, uh, especially after the other Star Wars project that she was working on uh, got... Uh, well, shelved is the best way to say it, really, isn't it? Um, and the fact that it's a original Star Wars story is definitely something to look forward to. Um, I can only speculate where it's going to be set. I know that she was working on something before that was uh, set in the um, Rebellion uh, sort of uh, time. So maybe we, won't, we might get that. Uh, maybe we might get something prequel or um, sequel era. Who knows? Um, well, I'm just very, very excited, and whatever it is, I know I'm going to play it. Take care. Ta-ta. Uh, 
the passion and the excitement for the Amy Hennig Star Wars game. Oh, nice one. Thank you, Katie. And Jessup, for your insights there. Thank you so much. But... A keen in amongst you would have just heard Bespin mention that it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Video games, not quite any movies yet, but who knows what Celebration will bring. But streaming series, uh, we know we've got Kenobi coming soon. We're all very, very excited for Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's obviously a lot of excitement around The Mandalorian Season 3. People are getting hyped for Ahsoka simply because it's Ahsoka. Hayden's going to be in it. People aren't really talking about, which still baffles me and bothers me no end, is Andor, Star Wars Andor, which is scheduled to drop this year. Cassie and Andor is back. Diego Luna is reprising the role ever since this uh, series was announced way back in about 2010. I don't know when it was. It seemed like the longest time ago, a couple of years ago now. I've been really excited for this. As you guys know, I love Rogue One anyway. I think the film was great. I think the characters are great and the way they portray that unknown soldier vibe about them where you know the unsung heroes of the entire rebellion uh, plus vader of course but um so when they announced they're doing andor mate i was really excited about this because of the placement in the timeline and the potential the rebellion is fledgling it hasn't quite been born yet it's not at that point in rebels where mon mothma creates officially the rebellion so it's the idea of uh of espionage of pretty much everything Cassian Andor said in Rogue One, you know, spies, saboteurs, murderers, thieves, whatever. We, you know, the chance that we could get that. You've got Tony Gilroy on board as well. You've got Diego Luna, who's so into this. Man, I, I've been excited for this. Five seasons, they said. I was like, damn, they're really going to go from uh, five years before the Battle of the Avin right up until the doorstep of Rogue One. This is amazing. Who's dropping on the best being bulletin-shaped grapevine, though, mate? As otherwise, apparently we're going to three seasons. Is that cause for concern, or are they just going to condense five seasons down into three? Do you reckon? Well, you know more than I do. Um, I I don't know. It's uh, I don't think it's cause for concern. Um, and at the moment, it's slated to have the most episodes of any Star Wars uh, TV yeah. show. Um, it's supposed to have twelve. They shot twelve. Um, for season one, which took nine months to film. Um, so. Yeah, like when all said and done, you'll have thirty six episodes of of Cassian, um, and I think I think that's that's fair, you know. Um, a lot, it's a lot. Yeah, when I was first ever told about small details of Miranda, I was always told they they chose five years because they wanted multiple seasons of it, um, you know. And I think people do need to remember as well that Andor was close to being cancelled. It was on the verge of cancellation before <laughs> once again, <laughs> once again, Tony, Tony Gilroy came in and saved the day. Um, you know, and we don't like originally K2SO was in the first season. He's not in the season. Um, sure. so, you know, we don't know how, how much Tony coming in and reshaping Andor has done this, right? Like for all we know, Tony thought the season, the, the story that needs to be told over the course of five seasons could be told in the course of three um, and that works for me if, if it's if it's yeah. potentially i don't want to use the term all killer no filler but i just have done mm-hmm. if they're going to go down that route and I'm, I'm all for that look I'll, i'd sit through five seasons but you, that, that kind of late lens on the caveat that it's going to be five great seasons you know 12 yeah. episodes each it's got to justify that and and also just a caveat as well you also are just as excited for Randall more so than mm-hmm. most people yeah. seem to be aren't you mate yeah yeah i've been I've been so excited for Andor since the talent they brought on board. So it's obviously Tony Gilroy, who is best known for the, the for the Bourne franchise. 
uh, perfect fit for Andor. Um, then you've got his brother Dan Gilroy coming on to do to do this again. Like Nightcrawler is one of my favorite films, so for yes. him to be on for the thriller aspect, fantastic. Then you've got um, what's his name? Was it uh, Will Beaumont? Scott? No, no, the writer. Uh, the creator of House of Cards. I think his name's Will Beaumont, is it? Or Bob uh, Beaumont? That sounds about right. Let me, whilst you're yeah. talking, I am going to Google that live on air. <laughs> I think it's Bob Wilmont, um, is the, is the guy's name, um, who is, who wrote, he created House of Cards, which was a critically Willimon. acclaimed, Willimon, who so, is a critically acclaimed, uh, writer for, on Netflix for House of Cards. He also did The Eyes of March, starring Ryan Gosling and George Clooney. Ooh, I like that um, film. So you're bringing on a political writer um, as well. Very intriguing, very enticing to me. Um, and then Stephen Schiff, who is the creator and the showrunner of The Americans, starring Carrie Russell, uh, another Star Wars connection. And that, again, that's a spy thriller um, series. So you bring in a guy with experience of multiple seasons of that in, and mixing him in with the likes of Tony Gilroy, Dan Gilroy, and, and Bo. Um, that's before you well, even talk about the talent in yeah. front of the camera exactly so you're bringing in this wealth of writing talent um and in my opinion this leaps and bounds above the talent they have working on uh kenobi and ahsoka and um the mandalorian and that's not a knock on them by any means because the people writing those and what we've seen and what i know about kenobi it's it's great it's great stuff um but this is, it just feels like a league above, you know, in terms of writers. And from everything I've, I know about Andor, um, it it does line up with my own excitement. It, you know, my excitement of the writers isn't unfounded. And, you know, I'll be sharing more about Andor pretty soon. Before nice. celebration, I'm going to put some stuff out. So if you want to know some things, check it out. If you don't, you know what to avoid. So... Never uh, tell yeah. anyone to avoid the best spin bulletin, but in this instance, I guess, I guess yeah, we should have done that up top, but yeah, it, we, 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 we <laughs> will direct people to bestspinbulletin.com, number one place for your Star Wars insider knowledge, but at the same time, if you don't want to know about the, you know, the potential uh, storylines, uh, cast leaks, or even story leaks, or whatever, then maybe don't go there until you're comfortable doing it or until you've seen the shows. But, um, I mean, for the most part though, a lot of, you know, it's recently some of the news that's come out, like the five seasons down to three, obviously not a spoiler. Um, that's just, if it's for practical reasons or for story reasons, then I'm totally fine by that. And they can still have it knocking on the door of rogue one. It's just going to take three seasons. Maybe that will span a little bit longer in the timeline, like one and a half season, one and a half years rather than one, maybe. But you obviously Diego is back, but you've got the, the wonderful Adria Arjona is, uh, joining the cast, has joined the cast. Stellan Skarsgård, who's never not good in anything, even, uh, an absolute crapshoot like Exorcist to beginning. Stellan Skarsgård always brings his A game. Genevieve O'Reilly is back as Mon Mothma. You've got Fiona Shaw who is uh, just fresh off the back of pretty much annoying everybody in the world in the Killing Eve finale. But she is uh, in the show, and she gave a hilarious interview on the one show about <laughs> and Star Wars Anna, which we covered a couple of months ago, where uh, I think the NDA got to her a little bit. But you've also, but you've also got talent like Denise Goff, Kyle Soller joining as well. That is decent, very, very decent-looking cast. And that's before you factor that Alan Tudyk will be joining season two, and that's from the man himself saying that. 
and who we don't know who else is going to be joining the cast in an official capacity. But um, well, we know one one other person who's in the cast. The Stellan Skarsgård said was in it. I was going to say that if there's anyone who knows any more official news, it would be Bespin. Drop it like it's hot. No, well, we know this is, uh, Forrest Whitaker returned based because I've forgotten because I've forgotten who it was. But yeah, Forrest Whitaker. So, so lies deception. He's back. Book it. Book it. One tends to lose one's mind. He's back. Um, which again comes as no surprise. Remember where this is? It's set five years, I think, before a new hope, before Rogue One. Saul Guerrero is one of the linchpins of the rebellion. Although, obviously, from a more extremist point of view, if John Mothma's in it, as we've seen in Rebels, when they're kind of, when their opposing views came to a head in a really cool scene, it's these kind of subplots now which could lead to so much filth in this show. Like, you know, you've got Mon Mothman's more idealistic view. You've got Saw Guerrero's extremist views. They're going to be butting heads, surely. Obviously, you've got Cassian Ander, who was never really portrayed as a straight-up hero in Rogue One. I think we've got to make that clear as well. He was, you know, t- to start with, he murdered um Tivok, straight-up murdered him, shot him in the back. He was going to kill Galen Erso, mm-hmm. and even when Galen was killed, he's even like Jim was upset, and he's like, "Who cares? You know, <laughs> boo hoo, go cry. Anybody, anybody want to fight? Basically, just rippling his muscles." And it wasn't until the end when he realised, you know, the re- the rebel leaders were, you know, there's too much bureaucracy going on. He was like, "No, listen, I've seen what this thing can do. I want to fight." And he went out. He died a hero in in that film. Um, spoilers for Rogue One, but. Um, it's the the potential here, like the the subterfuge and the the thriller aspect. If they really lean into it, which by all accounts that we've heard, they are going to lean into that sort of darker, mm-hmm. grittier side of it. That's exciting. I mean, I, I mean, we know that they filmed this around the corner down in Surrey. They filmed it up in Essex in a few places, um, in West Hanningfield and in Corriton. They also filmed it in in Guildford down in Surrey, and um, I know that firsthand because. I went there and it, it almost became my tomb. Thanks to yeah, being brought like in. One of the funniest things. Yeah. Um, I'm do you want to give your any, side of the story? I'm not taking any blame because you just went a few days late. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, oh, you got to go to this place in, in Guildford, uh, just outside Guildford, sorry, really beautiful part of the country. I said, okay, I'll go there. He said, the set's definitely there. I guarantee, I promise you. I, I, I said, he, he said, I guarantee you on your daughter's life, it's definitely there. I said, oh, well, in that case, I'm going to go. Hottest day of the year, why wouldn't I? Without a water, without water, you chose yeah. not to take water. <laughs> you know, I didn't, yeah. I went to this place thinking, oh, I'll be in and out of that about an hour. I remember sending Lukey Boy a voice message saying, right, you know, best being sent over the coordinates. Uh, I'll get some snacks. You know. coordinates as well. I told you exactly where to go. You did, I showed you pictures of the set. I, I saw it, yeah. But I saw the the code, the the code, the product's code name. I saw the pictures. Like, well, I'm here. Where is everybody? So I thought, well, maybe it's maybe it's around the corner. And then around the corner, it ended up being about two miles into the wilderness. And it was the hottest mm. day of the year without any water, without any basic, barely any phone signal. Um, and I <laughs> and I and it was this is this wasn't just a wood. It was up and down a hill. It was boggy. It was yeah, it was treacherous and i sent an infamous message to bespin at, i don't know it might have been about two o'clock in the afternoon saying you know it's getting a bit hot mate if you don't hear from me i i, I may not have made it <laughs> just as so as it turns out i don't think you heard from me for about three hours yeah i did you for three hours and then you called me from like a, from a oh. petrol station like out of breath like like panting and you're like i'm just down in water mate <laughs> 
I bought a two-liter bottle of uh, Innocent yeah. Smoothie, which I know is available. Other smoothies are available. It's available internationally, and I that is the blue one. I absolutely destroyed spirulina. I necked that one so hard back. I thought I was going to die. I had about two drops of warm water in the car, where it, the water had pretty much just um, dissolved, dissipated because it was so hot in the mm. bottle. Um, and then I went back <laughs> next day, and they weren't there. And I was like, right, I think we can ascertain now. We've deciphered that. They moved on. Yeah. It moved on about three days before I got there. Yeah. I hit the, there's, there was a skip there. I was standing in the spot where the, the trailers were. To dive in the skip because, you know, I've had people go to obviously sets for me, and they go in the skips and they find like blasters and parts of sets to take home. Oh, like, I loved that. I mean, it, it did. Look, from the top of it, obviously, you can't tell from, yeah. from where I could see. It looked like a lot of rubbish, but at the same time, yeah. I'm only small as everyone, well, if anyone who's seen our pictures knows, I'm not very tall. So there was, I wouldn't have even been able to climb up there, even if I wanted to yeah. go um, skip diving. I wouldn't have been able to climb up there. And also, at the, remember, at the same time, I was I was famished. You know, I was on the edge. Mm. I didn't think I could survive any longer, let alone climb up and skip. Yeah, and, you know, I have, like, some of the guys who go for me, one of them, um, he's taken a full door from the Andor set. Like, he took, like, a door, and he's, like, parts of, like, a speeder and, like, glasses. But when oh, he told mate. me he took an entire door, that just blew my mind. That he I took, took, a, I took it. a massive L. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he took it from the little Marlowe set. He just took a big door and walked nah. out, like, nah, I'd be happy with just, like, a rubber blaster. Like, yeah, look at this, I've got Andor's blaster. They're in a door. But um, if the, the place I was um, in the Surrey Hills, it's going to look very, very cool on screen. It's not the first time it's been used on screen. It's been used in, like, Beauty and the Beast and things like that. But yeah. it's going to look very, very cool. But it's um yeah. yeah I mean that story goes could go on for a long time because uh, there's yeah. lots of problems like the very last but I remember looking up the hill which you can't the guys can't see me what I'm doing but it's about a, a 70 80 degree incline I've got my arm at mm. I was like, and I couldn't there was no path you either walk up it or you just give in I was like, I've got to sorry yeah. climb up this damn thing like uh, mud in your fingernails or, or you're not getting home and then also I didn't mention. <laughs> best bit he gave me the right information but he said you know, park in this car park I didn't realise that that was just one of 12 <laughs> which are all spread out around four, about four mile radius and I couldn't remember which one it was I just went to the next coordinates I was yeah, walking was up and down park, was a car park 12 you were supposed to park in something like that we don't know what, what car park you actually number ended four up in. in the end of the day, but they weren't even yeah. in order. So I was, I walked, I ended up walking around in a circle. It's like those kind of horror, horror moments where you walk for an hour and you rise in a circle. I remember, I remember calling my daughter and I was like, Oh, daddy's just in the woods. Yeah, I should hopefully be home. And I remember saying to her mother, I've just, you never hear from me again. I love you. I, I even said that. I said, I said, Look, I genuinely am lost here in this. There's a, there's a chance I might not, might not make it out. Um, avenge me. Avenge me. <laughs> avenge me as vader slices my back but i mean i think yeah what did the grand inquisitor say there are far more things far more frightening than death and it's it could get stuck in the woods on bespin's behest but um mm-hmm. and all- hey, yeah but it, it worked out though right because i told luke where they were filming and he went there and they were, he, they were filming in essex yeah, the reservoir at west hanningfield yes he went there yeah. um uh, a little bit of footage just of him walking in there, which I think is on our social channels. I believe mm-hmm. he posted it on there with credit to Bespin. Um, and yeah, so they're going to be there. Just, we just found it very interesting that there was, you know, obviously this has been all over the UK. It's literally a tour of England mm-hmm. and, and Scotland as well. And it's coming, yeah, it's, it's, you know, north, south, everywhere. 
it was quite cool to know. Oh, yeah. It was See, it went, the corner. It went over like a lot of the UK, but it just didn't come to Wales. Instead, I got stuck with Willow. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you should have. It was a shame we didn't go and get lost in the woods trying to find Warwick Davis. Oh no! I got like, lit- literally right. Like, um, he, I could have gone and seen the set, like, and things being filmed. Um, because if it was like five minutes away from my work, but I have that little interest, I just didn't even bother. Um, <laughs> what, what he's trying to say is, best being is like the chuckling puppeteer. He sends his minions out and they do all the work whilst he sits there, like chuckling away. <laughs> he's lost in the woods. Um, but yeah, best been best been does the right thing. He's like Don Corleone. You can get everybody else's hands dirty first. That's how you. That's how you stay successful, man. You know, you don't delegation. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, um, when, when Ando comes back in November, I'll tell you where it's filming, and you can, you know, go on your merry way, and Luke can join you, you know, and then eventually I'll kill you both off, and then I'll take over sessions. So <laughs> I did think that was what was happening. I was like, what, what is this? What is the motive for sending me into the unknown? Pretty much, <laughs> there really yeah. was. Yeah, so, joking aside, there was at least three parts where I was generally concerned that I was going to pass out and nobody would find <laughs> me. Um, so, Ando, yeah, very excited for Ando. Is there any other? Uh, anything else around Andor that you want to mention that you've already mentioned maybe on your own channel or podcast, which we will plug at the end? Um, well, Andor's obviously filming in the UK again in November. Um, you know, there's reports coming out of this at Elstree. I've also heard it's at Pinewood again. Um, and I believe they're doing on location filming again. They might use the volume this time. I'm unsure about that, but there is a volume now at Pinewood. Um, and there's a new Disney studio being made, which will house a volume. Um, but you know, that's a great time for us because it's always exciting seeing all the set photos and traveling and seeing the locations, getting a glimpse of the Star Wars world. Um, and I'm pretty sure with that a place that I sent you to, uh, in season one, that's linked to a set at, uh, at a black park near nice. Pinewood. Um, and I think it's a, it's a village set. Uh, you know, it's like little teepees and stuff there. So, um, it'll be easy to spot once that comes out. Um, think oh that's where Matt almost died. Um, yeah, so. I'll be, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll be able to point out the bit where I almost fell off the massive chasm, uh, and also yeah, yeah, the part where I was like oh that was the, my lowest moment in years was at, at that point. But um, no, with, that's that's exciting to hear that um they've already got with season two with underway uh, almost. Yeah, with Andor as well. Yeah, it's getting multiple seasons. But there might also be a turn-off show from it. So just keep your eyes out for certain characters. <sighs> and our fan favorite characters. Well. New and old. And, you know, they might be getting a show down the line. So it's again, I it may maybe it's one of those things where once <laughs> production happens, it'll be a bit more exciting and the potential <laughs> is or the possibility of the storyline is more exciting than potentially I think the reveal will be met with a bit of scepticism, but um, hey, look, I'm all, I'm all for it. Another thing I'm all for is another series, which we're getting um, soon, which has got no hitches. It's going to be released on time. Everything's going to be just fine. The Acolyte, mate. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Please. <laughs> See, all right, I'll talk about the Acolyte a little bit. Um, I think I spoke to you about this about a month ago. Uh, uh, yes, was, you said that there was a mass walkout, pretty much. Not a walkout, that's like, that's <laughs> not the right words. But uh, I had heard that there was people who were working on the Acolyte in pre-production who just, like, a lot of them just finished working on it, just randomly stopped. Um, and I was like, oh, is that cause for concern? And then, like, I, you know, as you know as well, something 
has been filming for Lucasfilm at Pinewood. Yeah. Um, and I'll put more details out about that soon. Um, but something was happening, and then I was like, oh, maybe it's fine, you know? And then days later, I was like, no, Acolyte's delayed. So it's not a surprise. Um, it is something we talked about like about a month ago because people finished in February. Um, but it is interesting that the High Republic show has like paused production and has been delayed, whereas a new one, Grammar Rodeo, yep. is doing f- super well in pre-production. It's picking up new locations. It's all going well. About to start filming in June. Isn't that a weird coincidence that one High Republic show is going fine, the other one's been delayed? I don't know. Like, uh, it's not, and uh, sadly, it's not. Uh, as a fellow Welshman once said, it's not unusual. And I listen. I love me some Lucas film, but on the show, we've always been open and balanced about the fact that, well, certainly to us, and I think to a lot of people, Lucas film their act is never quite together. Um, and and it's things like, hey, there might be a good reason why the acolyte has been delayed. It could be story reasons. If it's story reasons, great, delay it as long as you need to, as long as we a, 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 akin to what they've done with Kenobi. So well, we get the right story. Yeah. Because oh, we've so. we got Amanda Stem, um, Stenberg oh, in, in the in the lead, which I think is a cool casting. I like what I've seen of her so far. So, yeah, we're, we're further... to see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It sounds like it's going to be a good film. Yeah, man. I'm, exci- I'm excited for seeing that. I'm excited to see what Leslie Hedlund brings to brings to the party as well. And, um, yeah, Rusty with... Doll is on his second season right now, right? And people are saying that's great. Man, I saw that on my um, Sky box. It, it came up on the... A main TV guy, this Russian doll staring at me in the face. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should actually just watch something like that. I'm tempted. Yeah, because I tend to like watch um, past works of the people involved with Star Wars. So, like Ryan Johnson, before he, he stepped on, um, officially, I remember not knowing anything about him. So, I went back and watched like Brick and Looper <laughs> and just like fell in love with them. Like, fell in love with him as a director. And it's worked since, like, Last Jedi, Knives Out, been great. And oh. I'm excited for everything he's doing, you know, in the future. So, yeah, man. But lucky enough, I, I, I was fairly not uh, well up on Ryan Johnson's work beforehand. And I've always said the last Jedi for me is a filmmaker's film. It's very much a technical achievement, especially in a franchise film, a genre film like star Wars is. Um, but no, I'd love to go back and see what Leslie Helen is, has been doing and story. We're going to mention in a minute as well. It's just great to see some diversity behind the camera as well i'm so excited to see what we get from the acolyte but that i'm not going to say if we get the acolyte but simply because of the history of the lucasfilm hiring firing delaying rescheduling cancelling circus there was when i saw your report i did start to think oh no oh no yeah. is this you know are we not going to because luke i think lukey boy is said on a show and he said you know doesn't think the acolyte is going to happen just because a part of it is pessimism. He's also said the same yeah. about Lando as well, because he just heard nothing. But yeah, there are times when I think, yeah, you know what, man? I, it may be based on nothing but a gut feeling, but you know, yeah. sometimes that's all you need. No news, no news is bad news, but I certainly hope not. Cause to me, much as I'm excited for Mando and Ahsoka, I kind of, I kind of know what I'm getting with those. You kind of get the idea, but the acolyte, like a dark side angle, set at the end of the High Republic as we enter the Republic that we're more familiar with. I mean, that sounds great. Again, possibly, I'm not saying we're going to get Plagueis and Palpatine like a lot of people want. But even just like the notion of a little name drop here and there is exciting to me. But I just think taking the story in a different way and shifting the focus 
is something Lucasfilm desperately needs to do. We don't need a rated R. We don't need any of that kind of rubbish in Star Wars because it doesn't fit. I mean, I, you know, you know me, the listeners know I love a horror film. I love a thriller. You know, throw anything my way in that those genres, and I'm all for it. Not all of it's good, and I don't think it works in a Star Wars sense. You can still get away with a PG-13, 12-rated Star Wars film like Revenge of the Sith. I watched that the other day, and the immolation scene is still brutal. You're watching a man getting burnt and screaming to death almost. Um, so you, I don't think you need kind of rated R stuff, but I think having a darker angle. I mean, the MCU shows, I've, I've been doing it recently, like Moon Knight, it's not a dark show, mm-hmm. but it's a darker angle net than maybe like Hawkeye potentially, which I haven't seen, which uh, most pe- people seem to keep reminding me of. But you can do it. And, and you know, Charlotte, for me, Moon Knight is one of the more interesting MCU streaming series because it feels a little bit different to me. And I want that from a Star Wars, mate. I want something a little bit you- different. Yeah, I think as well with Andor, just based off of writers and people working on it, that might feel a bit more mature in comparison mm-hmm. to like some other projects. I'm not saying it's like the adult Star Wars. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying based off of the subject matter of the of the of the project and the people behind it, it might feel a little bit more mature, and you know, it might not engage children as much as the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But it might still be accessible yeah. enough for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I think that show Andor is going to be the most underrated one. Um, I'm with you because it's, it's just not. So since day one of the, that show being announced, people have said, "Well, why do we need this?" Like I've been posting about mm-hmm. it recently, and people are like, "Who wants five seasons of a show nobody wants?" And you know, <sighs> it's, it's that the same thing with Acolyte. Like I've you know when I've been posting about the Acolyte recently, that's the one that people claim they don't want uh, i don't know why because that's so different i can think of a few reasons why certain people don't want i can that think show. of a few reasons as well because it's a bit of a similarity as uh that i've seen when we i did a, a poll on a uh, the composer of kenobi and the same group of people didn't wasn't a fan of that <laughs> so it's madness isn't it but yeah I, i'm with you on that mate i think Andor is going to be a I, I say a surprise hit surprise in the notion that majority of people are either ambivalent not with the majority a lot of people are ambivalent on it they don't really see the need for it or they weren't enthused by cassian's character i think that's all going to change and let's get this on the record and or star wars and or it's not a you know this isn't a rescue mission this isn't oh my god we've got to make these this character uh interesting no, no they're building off the fact that he's already an interesting character so um yeah i'm with you i've uh, even luke Bly has we when when this and he'll be the first to admit this. Everyone who's listening knows this. When it was announced, he was either, you know, this is, this is, this is, this isn't the kind of show we need or that's not what he said. That's a lie. He said he wasn't excited for it. Um, but now over time, partly down to my enthusiasm, he's getting more, more excited to, to the point where he's at now where he's really, really excited for Andor because of what we could be getting of the characters of the cast and also the fact that, you know, he's, he's got that local connection as well. If, you know, everything, can... everything I've heard as well, they've compared it to a movie, that's, right? That's it's movie levels of quality. In that's this what we thing. want. I mean, it's a, it's a huge production in terms of just actually on set, locate on location shooting. Sorry, which you know ordinarily in itself isn't you know it's not a big deal. You know, films, other TV series generally film on a location, but with the re- with the introduction of the volume, it kind of felt like we we're moving, you know, taking a quite a big shift towards that filmmaking. Which I love the volume. Obviously, the bit is going to get better and better and less noticeable as time goes on. 
there's something about location shooting when you can just tell you can just tell i was watching i can't remember what it was i was watching a film the other day and it was just after having watched a episode of the mandalorian or something yeah no slight on that i love mando but i was watching an app and like a show and i could tell it was on location because of the lighting because of the way the wind and stuff like that was hitting their hair because of the way their voices were projected it it just hit differently mate so um and same thing with um like the thor trailer just recently came out and we know the tigers use the volume for that and it is a few shots in that trailer. I was like, that is the volume. That's like, the I know that's the volume. That is and the then, I mean, you can throw a yeah. lot of money. Cause I've been saying for the longest time, give, give, you know, give somebody 80 million quid, stick it, stick them in the volume and call it solo too. They want to go down that route, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure they could potentially pull it off as much as I thought they could have done. Um, yeah. Cause I thought, I thought it was a lot more noticeable in the Mandalorian. I don't know if it's cause Rodriguez was handling it, you yeah, know, as showrunner, but I, I feel like I'd see it more. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, but I, yeah, I think I still think it's a fantastic piece of kit. Oh, it's only going to get better and better. And the fact that the cast, you know, like someone like Ewan McGregor after his horror stories about the prequels, mm. you know, the, the cast coming in saying, you know, I walked on set and I was blown away. Some of that might be, um, I think enthused to be interviewed and they're not going to come on set and say, do you know what? Here's a bit naff actually, but they, I do generally get the sense that when people walk out and see this new tech, they are like, well, this yeah. is the future, but you know, green oh. screen and blue screen are going to be cut down and eventually become a thing of the past. One of the things that's excited me at the moment is whilst they were filming, um, uh, season three, of the Mandalorian, um, at, at Manhattan beach at one stage full of, uh, the Mandalorian stuff. And the, the stuff in that show is bonkers. And it's crazy. Like I'm so excited for the Mandalorian season three. But in the stage next to them was uh, James Cameron, and he was shooting mm-hmm. Avatar stuff, Avatar. and he's using the volume. And we know that that man can can get so much out of technology. Nothing uh, that man can't man... do, even though he might be yeah. a bit of a goon. Uh, yeah. He's his record and box office gross and you know films for the most part. Yeah, so themselves. I'm very interested in see in seeing what he can get out of the volume, and yeah. you know that will be shared around around the other filmmakers as well. Like I said, the, the sets are right next to each other, the stages of, you know, he's making Avatar for Disney. It'll all be shared. So what he learns and he can pass on to Favreau and Filoni and the rest of the gang and same thing with Taika, like, uh, that's exciting. And, you know, um, it'll only get better and it'll be to a point one day that we can't notice it. Um, but again, this is still new technology for all, you know, for all intents and purposes. This is only, really been around now what four years so well yeah, yeah in the public kind of domain yeah in the public sort of thing yeah so it'll get better and better and at the end of the day if it wasn't for the volume we wouldn't be getting these tv shows like Andor is an outlier um kenobi very you know reliant on it mando's very reliant boba's very reliant um not to say they don't have real sets made because they do and they have some like kenobi and Boba Fett, they had some fantastic sets built specifically. Um, but yeah, uh, seeing Andor go to all these locations around the UK, I think is exciting. And I don't know what the Acolyte's doing, but my belief is they're using the volume quite a bit for it. So Maybe they can use the volume just to, you know, just, just keep it going whilst there's nobody on set. They could hopefully keep production going and start making some uh, wonderful new planets for that when hopefully touch wood it eventually gets back into production that's what i'm excited for those for the accolades because 
it's in an era that we haven't seen on screen. You know, I know we've got the books for the High Republic, but we haven't seen it on screen. And I'm so up for something visually different. Like, you know, I love the original trilogy. I love the prequels um, and the sequel trilogy to an extent. But I'm so up for a new look and a new era. Like, going from the original trilogy and then looking at the prequel trilogy, they look so different, mm. but it still feels unequivocally Star Wars. And what the horror that's why we're doing visually is very very mm. cool like not just the yeah. front covers of the books but the comics no. as well they, the like, comics. they go places in those comics like mm. all the star wars comics do but um and i'm i'm and the the high republic That's is right. claimed for a reason but yeah uh, i originally i think it's a very very exciting era to reproduce seeing that sort of stuff on screen on like like in a live action would be fantastic that's something i'm very much looking forward to I, I agree with you there, big man. And we're going to have a nice little link based on what you said just now about you know, having more diversity within the galaxy far, far away. And maybe uh, Best Bin's putting polls up on his socials and people aren't particularly keen on it. Uh, so let's jump into it. We've got a new composer, the Star Wars universe, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've got Natalie Holt is coming over from the MCU to Star Wars. Natalie Holt, she's also going to be composing Batgirl. So she's, you know, she's got this, she's like a Hydra at the minute. She's collecting IPs as well, like Infinity Stones. Uh, she did the music for the uh, Tamara Lawrence, Jack Loudon, Fiona Shaw, Star Wars reference, led horror Kindred a couple of years ago, which was uh, a pretty decent low-budget horror, but the music was very unsettling in that. She's, she's helped with the music for Paddington and plenty of other series films and musical arts also before i get into natalie people aren't talking about this enough the fact that she threw an egg or threw eggs at simon cowell during the final of britain's got talent nine years ago she she was in the backing orchestra because she's a classical violinist uh and during the performance of the finalists who were called richard nadnam a bit boring name she walked out on stage and threw eggs at simon cowell to protest his awful influence on the music business so you know, already she has my respect because, uh, you know, Simon Cowell, probably a nice guy, but it's Simon Cowell. So, yeah, she says she's an egg chucker at Simon Cowell, which is also going to be helming Obi-Wan Kenobi. We know John Williams is going to be composing the theme for Kenobi himself, which is exciting. We'll mention that. But, um, yeah, Natalie Holt's been brought on board. She's uh, most recently been working on the Loki, Loki series over in over at Marvel. Yes, for everyone asking, I still haven't seen it. But I did listen to the entirety of the score over the last day or so to try and get a feel for um, Natalie's more recent work. As I said, I've heard the, the Kindred score, I've seen the film, very unsettling. I wanted to know what you know what we were going to get from Loki. I got a lot of violins, I got some synth, I got the theremin, which I love the theremin. I, uh, the, the First Man soundtrack killed it with that uh, clocks and all that as well because of the Loki um, references there. But I'm, you know, I was, I was, I was pretty excited by the news, and and also by the fact that a couple of years ago I did a show where we spoke about, I spoke with my friend Laura about, you know, composers and scores and soundtracks, and I remember saying to her, "Can you do me a favour? Can you name me a, a female composer?" She kind of went, uh, you know, back and forth. Like, do you know what? I can't because there aren't many out there because whether it's the opportunities, which I probably think it is. But now those doors are being smashed down and we've got Natalie Holt composing one of the biggest series of the year, if not the most anticipated in terms of pop culture anyway. Uh, and also coming off the back of the very highly acclaimed Loki, which I haven't seen yet. But um, 
Ludwig uh, Jorensen, his score was vibrant, diverse, kind of electro, techno, whatever you want to call it, but it still you know, had a little bit of Star Wars in there as well. But he's been credited with changing the sound of Star Wars going forward. Natalie Holt on Loki, every, you know, some part of it was a bit like cosmic bombast, which I thought was pretty cool. You've seen Loki, I haven't, so I'm also going to kind of lean on that. But what did you think then, mate, when you heard that Natalie Holt had been uh, given the role, heard this from Variety, and as someone who watched Loki, did the score stand out at all, and uh, did it elevate that show uh, at any point? Yeah, I, I, it did for me. Um, Loki, I believe, is, in my opinion, it's, it's the best Marvel TV show that they've they've done um and in large part to that is the the quality of the soundtrack um i usually say the marvel soundtracks aren't very memorable um i they kind of just exist they're just generic to me um there's obviously the, a few key standout like themes like such as the avengers theme but uh usually i don't really take too much note of the scores but i did it with loki um loki is like the score of Loki is the most standout Marvel music since the initial Avengers theme to me. So, um, you know, and it hits all the right points and all the right beats within the show, and it does elevate it and take it to another level. Like I said, it feels cosmic, um, you know, which is a large part of the Loki show because, you know, this time travel, multiverse travel, it's all these things, and it plays so well. And um, I don't know if she's going to take any inspiration from that sort of work um i feel as if she's going to emulate williams to a degree um which isn't a bad thing we've, we've seen uh G- Kino do it for a uh, rogue one and they we made some great themes in that uh in that film so yeah uh, i'm excited about it uh if she's the first female composer for star wars which is uh, a massive feat and to, for her to be working alongside John Williams, she said, like, it, obviously it's overwhelming. It makes her so excited. And it's incredible that she gets to work with him um, in probably what's going to be his last Star Wars, you know, project. Again. Um, again. And, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does for a, for a Kenobi theme. But I'm also really excited to see what she does. And I hope she, I hope she delivers, and I'm confident that she will. And... You know, she seems to be in good Disney's good graces, so maybe we'll see her across some other shows and across some other movies uh, that we're looking forward to one day. But based off of my experience with the Loki show, her music does elevate it to new heights. And yeah, her addition to Kenobi makes me even more excited than what I already was for the show. That is exciting me already. I'm going to play uh, a voice message now from my dear friend John Burke who uh, has also seen Loki and keeps battering me uh, to watch the show. For the for the purpose of this, I shall call him John Mothma. Come on, I like that one. Um, but he, he said this. I'll play this um, just to counter what Bespin has just said. So it's about time that Star Wars has a female composer, right? Like, I mean, it is 2022. I, I wish this was an area that I could speak more to. I am not 
super familiar with composers. Uh, it is an area of film that I, I love and I appreciate, but often I take as holistically and I don't separate it from the, the film itself. I just think of it as part of the movie. Uh, one exception, though, is John Williams, right? Like, when we think of film history and the impactful scores, John Williams is the one that I immediately go to, with the, a couple of caveats for, like, Hans Zimmer and things of that nature, but Williams is the one that I know the most, and so the fact that he's doing some of the score for Obi-Wan is great, but the fact that now we are finally going to see a female composer in the Star Wars universe is just the right direction. It's just the right time. It is great seeing more and more uh, diversity coming into the Star Wars universe that we're getting, not just on screen, but behind the scenes too. We want to see um, everyone get to be a part of this universe, and hopefully the fandom is willing to uh, allow for that and continue to let it grow. Um, we know that's an area that has been in contention in the past, um, but I'm all for it. I, I'm super excited to see it. Um, I did watch Loki, unlike uh, our host here, but um, I, I love the show. I wish I could say I love the score. I don't remember it. Um, it. It did its job, I would say. I felt like it, it hit the right emotional beats, and so I was in the movie or in the show uh, at the right times and feeling what I was supposed to feel. But if you wanted me to, like, if you were to play three different scores right now and ask me to pick the one from Loki, I don't know that I would. Uh, again, it's just an, it's a gap area for me when I watch movies and shows. Um, it, it's very rarely do I notice it on my first viewing, especially, unless unless it's intrusive. Uh, sometimes I don't like that, but I don't remember feeling that way watching Loki, so I'd say the score was a success. I definitely had the emotional flow that I, I look for when I watch a show, and a lot of times that is specifically responsible because of the score. The score is the thing guiding us to feel the thing. So, I, I think this is only good things for Star Wars, and I'm glad to see that it's moving in that direction. Here is John Burke, the statesman himself. Um, uh, totally agree. Totally echo what John said there. Pretty much what Bespin said and what I've said. You know, the fact that we've now finally got uh, a, a female composer, you know, basically giving the voice of the show. You know, almost, you know, we've, what have we said about John Williams for the longest time? He is the, the heart, the soul, the pulse of Star Wars. Well, we've now got Natalie Holt providing that for one of the bigger shows out there. Um, but Johnny Boy, John Burke, he's, he couldn't really remember the score. I think, you know, he said, you know, it wasn't as memorable, but at the same time, he's also admitted, and I can vouch that he isn't as much of a score person, whereas someone like me, and it would seem yourself, his score stands out. I remember going to see the Batman in March and thinking, oh, first yeah. thing, like, this, this score is slapping me oh, hard. Yeah. But, um, John Burke said it wasn't, you know, he's saying that, you know, I respect that man's opinion. The, the soundtrack itself, he said, didn't, didn't jive for him, but he's excited to hear what Natalie brings to the table. Yeah, um, you know, that's the thing. Like I said, a lot of the Marvel stuff to me didn't stand out, but for hers to stand out in a crowd of bland, generic soundtracks, in my opinion. <laughs> Again, I know a lot of people do love them, but for me, there's only a few that stand out, and Loki and Holt's work definitely do. Um, and I think there's a no... I understand why that they've hired her specifically to come and take on Kenobi. Um listening to the soundtracks to uh wandavision and Cap uh, captain america uh it's not called that is it it's called the falcon the Winter soldier hawkeye and even moonlight oh. what's airing right now um you know nothing none of them compare i couldn't tell you a single thing from the the the, the, the scores of those shows other than the one song for WandaVision. Sure, yeah. 
which is the song, Ag- yeah, Agatha all along. Like that's all I remember. Was but Palpatine Loki- all along? I can remember that because yeah, the song it's a catchy pop rock yeah. song. But I don't, I don't know what the theme for One Division was. I can't, uh, can't hum it. No, but with I like Loki, I can remember the end credits. I can remember the opening credits. I can remember various bits, bits of music for various scenes. Scenes between Loki and Sylvie. Like I remember it. Was that and- a geezer called? Was it He Who Remains? Was that his name? Because uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he is such a king. We saw him at Comic Con. He is an absolute boss. And I, uh, he, the films I've seen him in recently, he's so damn good. He's somebody who I mentioned on a show a couple of weeks ago. Who do I want to see in Star Wars? I grab Jonathan Major, abduct him from the MCU, bring him over to Star Wars because he's fantastic. But the He Who Remains um, score, that particular piece of music, that immediately jumped out when I listened to it. I was like, this is this is great. It was, there was yeah. a few other ones. Obviously, the main theme, the main Loki theme. Loki um, Green, is it? Like, Loki Green, that's it. And then there's TVA one about... TVA theme. TVA, and one about a crocodile, which was quite good. And Mobius, <laughs> I think his name was. That was pretty yeah. good as well. So there's quite a few. Uh, not Morbius. Not to be confu- confused with the legendary superhero Morbius. Yeah, no yeah. Morbius, please. Um, which is made... Which is going to make a trillion dollars at the yeah. box office. That 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 meme gets me every single time. When people are like, "What do you mean Morbius was a was a flop? Have you not seen the box office? It's got Morbius like seventeen billion dollars, and it's got that Jared Leto arms outstretched, screaming with a vampire face." Yeah, that film wasn't very good either. But um, was it again not the worst film of the year? But there are films better than Morbius. Marry Me is the worst film of the year so far. It's the worst. I mean, I I've still got a log a lot of my films, mate, as you well know. But I have started in the last few weeks actually doing it, uh, doing it. Uh, the the worst film. I don't know what the worst film I've seen this year is. I'm pretty sure there's a couple that I've seen. Like the bubble. I've seen the bubble. I thought that was. I thought that was other, other than English Rose, who deserves an Oscar for how good she was. Daisy, brilliant, unbelievable acting. Yeah, she's great in a cameo. She's fine. But the film in itself is just poor. <laughs> That's probably the worst film I've seen this year. Is the bubble. I don't even think it was that bad. I'd give it like a five. You know. I, I I haven't mentioned it to you actually, yeah, but yeah, the bubble wasn't very good. I I would I was going to watch it, and then when I saw that Daisy was in it, of course I'm going to rush out to watch it. It took me a little bit longer because you know pretty not much the, I've forgotten about it. Not the scenes I expected from Daisy. And, Absolutely uh, not. No, it's not quite what I expect from Ray Skywalker. But uh, no. if you haven't seen the bubble, better go and check it out before Netflix goes under. <laughs> go check it out as quickly as possible. Topical that was. Um, so we talk about the Loki, Loki soundtrack. Yeah, I mean I don't expect the Loki soundtrack to directly influence Obi Wan Kenobi, no. except in the fact that her score for that show was described as operatic and bold. Now that kind of fits into Star Wars, into a sense. You just think of the prequel trilogy and maybe Revenge of the Sith. Um, and John Which Williams, that's exactly what you kind of want. Oh yeah, because it's this is a f- sequel to Revenge of the Sith by all intents and purposes. John Williams asked Lucasfilm, I thought this was really sweet. He said, oh, "I'd like to write a theme for for Benny. Oh, be- for Benny Kenobi. He wants to write a theme for Benny." And of course, of course, they bit his hand off. and said, "Please." But um, you know when he uh, said that? When he said, "I want to write a theme for Benny," my weird little brain just went Benny Safty. Yeah, he yeah yes. And like, and like who? I, we know who he's playing now. Um, that's where my brain went. We and do. I was like, oh no, he means Obi-Wan, obviously. Um, well, wait, we won't say who he's playing. You'll find that in a month's time. Yeah, you'll Pretty find out. In a month's time. Pretty Very much in a month's time. Yeah. So, but yeah, Benny, not Benny Safdie, old, old Benny Kenobi. Um, but Natalie Holt herself said that John Williams' Kenobi theme, 
Obi Wan theme sets the tone for the show. She said it was wistful but hopeful. Of course, the Force theme was kind of originally, but very unofficially, Obi's theme. Kind of, it was always thought about before it was torn away and like slapped all over the sequels and the prequels as well. Um, so I'm really excited now to hear what J- JW does with with Kenobi things. Uh, the Adventures of Han, I really like that because it played into some of the old. Uh, motives surrounding Han Solo, but that was a really cool, energetic, bouncy theme. Can't wait to see what he does with Obi Wan because Obi Wan's life is just, you know, for the final parts was tragic. Last twenty odd years, and even before that, you know, he's given Lilani, who doesn't even say, you know, I don't, I don't want to train this kid, basically. But you know, his entire existence is, pretty, you know, bringing, you know, rearing and raising the chosen one, watching him fall to the dark side protecting and you know you know indirectly raising the, ch- the chosen one's kid and then sacrificing himself i'd love to see how much of that is put in that kind of emotion as long as as well at the same time as being the hero you know that he is the hero so i can't wait to see what john williams does for for benny and yeah it's definitely not benny safty but um no, i mean I've, I've been enjoying the the streaming series music like the book of boba fett main theme I thought it was bonkers good. I really like that. Uh, but, um, the main theme, I think Ludwig Göransson did the main theme for that, uh, that particular yeah. the whole thing. And the music in itself was, was decent for the Book of Boba Fett. Um, I don't remember it as much as I do, say, the Mando, because that is just no. quite eclectic and different. And uh, I'm excited to see what Natalie Hulk can bring to the galaxy, but she's certainly got pedigree, mate. So uh, final thoughts then before we wrap up the main discussion. Obi-Wan Kenobi... Uh, no, we're not going to give spoilers, but from what you know, do you think the fans and me and everyone listening think they're going to come out of it happy? Yeah, I was uh, quite skeptical of Kenobi. He's my favorite character, but um, based off of the writer being Joby Harold, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of his past work. Um, I was quite worried, but you know, he's not the only writer. He's got some really talented people working alongside him, like the past writer, Hosnian Amini. Um, he's getting credited a lot. Um, before, because obviously he was the writer before Harold came into the rewrites, but he has had uh, writing credits on the show um, as well because a lot of his work is still there. But um, from everything I, I I know about the show, which is basically everything from <laughs> the opening credits to, to the end credits of episode six, um, yeah, I'm very excited. I have a lot more faith and optimism in it now. Um, you know. <laughs> There's things that people will moan about because people will moan about things anyway. Um, of course. You know, but from everything I know, from everything people wanted, what they wanted from Vader, what they wanted from Obi-Wan, they, they're getting it. And, you know, Vader, Vader in this is a beast. You know, Hayden like I'm just... said, we're getting a very, very angry. Yeah. And that's, that's Hayden in Entertainment Weekly saying that. So yeah. the yeah. question is, yeah, is, is he a beast? He's a beast. He's a beast. Just wait until you see. Uh, can I say one episode? He's going to be a big boy. Think, and... Well, I think the rumor was, or not the rumor. It's not a rumor. It's not a spoiler rumor. But you know, the word on the word on the bird was that you know we maybe I think the third episode boy was going to be in. He's in the third, but the fourth episode. Just wait till you see Vader in the fourth episode because oh, man. you thought Rogue One was something. You know, uh, like 
<laughs> oh wait, it's just so, it's so sad of us, isn't it? We're getting so excited yeah. about it, but it's so awesome. Kenobi's in for a rude awakening in that episode, mate. So, oh, mate, yeah, boy, just... Vader, leather-clad daddy is not happy. I cannot wait to see that. So, yeah, we're excited for Kenobi on the show. Best being Bulletin is excited for Kenobi, despite mm-hmm. knowing every facet of it. So, um, that is that's going to be our main discussion. So, we've had uh, Amy Hennig, Natalie Holt, a bit of Andor, a bit of Kenobi, a bit of Acolyte. More than we ever thought we'd get, but that's why we get the best Bulletin on this show. Because if you want to trust anyone's word out there, trust Best Bins. I was watching a video earlier on, in fact, about possibly the Amy Hennig game, and I can't remember the the uh, person whose video it was, but they mentioned they, the Best Bid and they said he's the most reliable guy out there. So you'll see him name dropped on many, 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 many shows across the YouTubes and outlets as well. Reason being, because he's the best one out there. Uh, and he's a good friend, a good pilot. Um, so, on leaving it there, mate. Where can the entire internet find your work? Where can they hear you? We you know where, what's the deal with Bespin. So you can go to bespinbulletin.com for the latest articles. You know, it's all all spoilery stuff. So if you want to avoid it, avoid it. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'll post things in depth. Um, for social media, you can find me on Twitter and at Instagram at bespinbulletin. And if you, for some reason, want to hear me ramble, uh, you can check me out on my podcast, Bob the Podcast, which releases every Thursday. Yeah, go check it out. Go support Bestman as well. He's got a uh, a Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, forward slash Bestman Bulletin. If you enjoy the work that Bestman does out there, toss a coin to your Bestman. Help him out there. But yeah, go check out the website. Go listen to Bob. You've heard Luke Bly mention it on this show that he enjoys listening to it as well alongside Isaac and Nick over there in Bob HQ. So go check it out. And the only, the last bit of information I've got, I've got my own leak. I've got my own spoiler. I'm going to tell you, Best Spin Bulletin's real name is... Hi, I'm Ken Napsok, author of Why We Love Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Uh, well, thank you to the best bin bulletin. I'll tell you something right now. That guy's a stud. You know, when he walks through the streets with that best bin bulletin logo uh, all emblazoned on his face so nobody could see it. What a hunk. But honestly, mate, thank you so much. Uh, it would be uh, a lie to say that we didn't pull a very late one to get that done. I don't know what I do not want to admit what time we were up until recording that. It was, um, when I say last minute, I mean, it was last minute, but it was a great time to, uh, great chat speaking to Best Bin. He's, he knows his stuff and, uh, he's got his finger on the pulse and he's a good lad as well. So thank you so much for that geezer. And now having spoken to Best Bin, I am once again, as thirsty as ever. So thankfully I've managed to navigate the Essex Falcon to our favorite dusty drinking holder, Bantina. The only question, Matt, is shall we? <laughs> I offer you a libation to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative. A libation. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? Anthony, give me the spiciest drink you've got. Pour me another Parkell and Sling. Where are you going, Master? For a drink? Oh, yeah, I'm talking to myself in the Bantina. For those of you new or old to the show, this is the section where we sit down with the greatest listeners in the galaxy, which is you guys. Have a couple of Kef beers. Let me get your thoughts on our main discussion. So specifically this week, I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on the upcoming Amy Hennig Star Wars game. 
uh, we've got a couple of comments. One from Neil Tobin. He said, ah, another game to buy that I'll be useless at. Bring it on. Eve Evangel, the king, said, deja vu. Yeah, th- this is it. You know, as we've just been speaking about, we've been here before with Amy's involvement in Star Wars. I just hope now that they can stick the land in and let her loose with the story that she wants to tell. And uh, our friends over at Twin Suns Collecting said, I don't want to come across as pessimistic, but I'll get excited for it when I see it on the shelf at Game, a, uh, that's a video game store in the UK. Possibly internationally, other game stores are available. Skydance New Media was founded in 2019, they say, so they don't, they don't have a track record I can look at. Amy Hennig was already attached to one Star Wars game that got cancelled, so that could potentially happen again. Far too many Star Wars games have been cancelled. First Assault... Battlefront 3 for the PS3, Darth Maul's game, 1313, The Force Unleashed 3, to name a few. Even after the trailer reveal, Eclipse is reported to be about four or five years away. Fingers crossed it's smooth sailing, though. I loved the Uncharted series. Uh, Yeah, yeah, mate, we mentioned that on the discussion as well, you know, the kind of pessimism surrounding any kind of Lucasfilm announcement, whether or not they're actually going to go ahead, and that's, that's bad. As much as I love... Lucasfilm, I love democracy. I, I, I'm not going to lie. Whenever a new announcement is made, it does come with a percentage of doubt, which it shouldn't be that way. I, I don't want it to be. I want them to be able to say that we've got a new film coming out in 2025. Oh, it's actually happening, and I want to believe that. Same with this game. Um, I've got faith in this game that it's going to come out. I think Lucasfilm Games, hopefully now that they're um, aligned under one banner, and all of these studios are. Uh, reporting into that particular division of Lucasfilm, I have faith now that we're going to see a slightly more uniform approach, a bit more of an organised approach. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong, guys. And the Uncharted series got a lot of love. I really should start playing those games. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for sending in your comments on the Amy Henney game. And for anything, we ask you to send your comments in. We love each and every one of you. If you didn't hear yourself this week, don't be disheartened. Never be disheartened because we will do everything we can to get you on another edition of The Bantina. For extra content, go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You know it's going to be so good. Best podcast. Best podcast. Yes, that is right. The Dandelorian has brought us in and we're going to be heading over to the Patreon section of the Bantina. This is where we take questions from our Patreons who joined from the $3 tier and above. And it's usually a fine smorgasbord of filth. And I'm, <laughs> these next few questions are no different. So let's jump in. Our latest patron, one of them, Tubular Tommy, he says, Well, well, well. Hello, you beauties. Oi, oi. Question. Besides pod racing and that droid football game shown on the telly at the Coruscant Club in Attack of the Clones, are there any other sports shown and or mentioned throughout the galaxy? What sport would you create if you were in Lucasfilm's ear? First of many, peace and love. That's a good one to kick off your Patreon question career, Tommy, mate. Um, so yeah, there have been sports shown in the galaxy. I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. The one in Attack of the Clones was called something like Nuna Ball. Nuna, Nuna Ball, I think it was called in Attack of the Clones. Um, and there have been others which have kind of been littered around. This isn't an exhaustive list because I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but they had, uh, obviously in Star Wars Resistance, you've got the Ace Flyers who, ha- <coughs> excuse me, who have a competition. They've got a leaderboard, so they are flying against each other. So in which, in which leads to a sporting 
um, competitive nature. Uh, the Father Erasing in The Last Jedi. Uh, shock Boxing, I guess what, kind of what we saw in The Mandalorian with Cara Dune. Uh, I imagine there's you know more to it than just a couple of guys in a in a bar tied to each other fighting. I'm sure there's some kind of um, bigger competition going there, similar to the Gamorrean guards fighting in that boxing ring. That looked like a, a sanctioned, if not slightly seedy, event. Uh, Gravball, it's kind of like NFL, I think. Um, and Lost Stars gave us a few. You had a sky loop, and you had, again, you also had some flying challenges uh, as well. So there have been some. There, I mean, in Legends was littered with varying sports, uh, totally like hover, hover skiing and stuff like that. There were loads in Legends. So I think we'll get more as we get more and more canon. But it is something that they're not really showing too much of and I do like it when when they do sort of dive into the normality of the galaxy uh, when we when I read Leia Princess of Alderaan you know just finding about the challenges that the uh, the youth there had to take was was great you know it felt like kind of like real life DV type stuff so that was quite exciting um, what would I like to see of course some form of football and I mean the actual football some may call it soccer but some sort of football that would be great you know sort of Star Wars footy Imagine, imagine, the, imagine the team names Bespin United uh, who, who else could we have Vardos Villa um, what, what else is a, a decent football name Coruscant City yeah come on Izzy this could be great imagine if someone's out there let's get let's get like a fake leaderboard going let's get some kits going that could be fun uh, Tempin Bowling I'm sure they could do that Baseball I'm surprised you haven't got like a form of baseball in, in canon uh, Ice Hockey I love Ice Hockey so that would be fun to see some kind of like hover hockey type thing uh, otherwise we could just combine them all into like the force olympics so um you've got you can have an olympics for your non-force users your muggles and you can have an olympics for force users you know we uh, perform a variety of sporting uh sporting activities to see who could come out for that coveted uh what would it be hagian smelt medal gold medal that could be fun so um, yeah, we have seen sports. I'm sure we'll probably see more and more as time goes on, and there probably are more as well. Like the comics will cover more of that kind of stuff, and there's probably loads that I'm missing out on. But they're the ones that came to mind, Tommy, mate. Uh, moving on to the next question for someone who I've grown to think of as a brother. It's my brother, Sean Hudson. He sent this big old question, and he said, "Hello, my favourite Savaloys. As I lay here at 4:30 a.m., having been woken by my 10-week-old Padawan." wriggling and snuffling like a small Ewok in the Moses basket next to me. I thought now is obviously the perfect time to submit my April Patreon question. Hashtag best podcast. Hashtag www.patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Hashtag I'm loving the scene deep dives you do. Thank you, so do I. The We Are What They Grow Beyond episode remains my favourite session so far, but the recent one of the Palps and Annie, Lilani, in Revenge of the Sith was also right up there. So with that in mind, the whole Battle of Hoth sequence blew my little mind when I first saw it. The effects were incredible, the acting great, and the sets looked epic. Some might say they were just... So good. Thank you, Danny, mate. Be more punctual next time. Uh, the only thing that could have made it, made the sequence better for me, Porks. Snowpawks, a legion of them trained as medics and scooting around the battlefield offering warm blue milk and wampa pelts to injured rebel soldiers. Having said that, that may just be sleep deprivation talking. He is getting on a bit. 
So, what are your thoughts on that sequence as a whole, as part of the story and thoughts on its production? I'm looking forward to our next group libation. Keep it spicy. Hashtag Greg's for the win. Thank you, brother. Um, Snowpogs is always a win, I think. Uh, we Are What They Grow Beyond was episode 34. That's a fantastic episode, as is the most recent one we did. Deep Dive we did. Uh, it's not a story the Jedi would tell you when we went into the opera scene. Um, the, the Hoff sequence is great, especially when you look at A New Hope, what, three years before, which was a pioneer for technically and cinematically and for, and for many, many ways. But the Empire Strikes Back managed to take that, run with it, go bigger, but even more impressive. You know, they didn't they didn't go bigger for bigger sake, which is sequelitis. You know, we, what do we do in a sequel? I don't know. Take what we have and just make it bigger, uh, faster, more intense. Empire kind of pulled back on that almost, um, but not in terms of visuals or production. And Hoff was fantastic. I mean, that was filmed in, in I can't pronounce it because I can't remember, but that massive glacier in Iceland, you know, well off the beaten track, fully on location, um, as well it should be. You know, the cast and the crew there really went through the ringer to to produce this scene and make it as realistic as possible and sometimes you know that that sacrifice and actually being out there makes things so much better and Hoth is a key example of that the battle of Hoth is fantastic as a way of opening the film the last time we saw the rebels you know the the heroes were getting their medals we had the throne room scene blaring in the background this time we're on Hoth you know Luke's been captured you know he's been attacked by a wampa um, Hans had to go out and save him then I'll see you in hell um, and then the Empire have found them the Probedroid has found the Rebels on Hoth thanks to Hans shooting it down and they descend and of course we get the, the iconic walkers we get the snowspeeder scenes we get Darth Vader on Hoth it, there's so much in this scene which is fantastic the acting is very decent as well the acting is a step up from the last film again there's nothing wrong with the acting in A New Hope but everything that seemed more refined in The Empire Strikes Back and the Battle of Off is a great scene like the music that accompanies it the drama with the snow speeder chase with uh, you know with with, uh, with Dak with Luke having to get jump out just before he gets <laughs> crushed uh, in by the attack walker the ingenuity to take down the walkers with the tow cables um, that, that was great I saw a meme online today saying why don't they just you know, pointing the eye on cannon at the walkers on Hoth. A really good question. Great question. But in my head, yeah, the angle, they couldn't get the angle down low enough to effectively reach them. So that's what I'm saying. But no, the the sheer chaos and panic as the Empire touches down and Vader is on the ground, uh, the evacuation, the moments of triumph when, you know, the first rebel transport is in the air in a way. You know, people, the, the cheering between, it kind of really shows the the differences between the empire this huge you know uh, dictatorship which has strangled the hope in the galaxy and has got that has got these this authoritative stamp over every system it touches and you've got this plucky ragtag group of rebels who fight to survive every day and you know they're in it for them they're in it for each other sorry the empire's in it for themselves the rebels are in for in it for each other you know people are staying behind to make sure that these ships can get in the air. When they do, there's a collective cheer because all of their brothers and sisters are all on that those transports. There's just the camaraderie is there, the fear, the might of the Emperor's Empire as well. Let's not forget this was a crushing win for the Empire over the rebels. So it, we got to see the might of them, the fragility of the rebels, as well as their uh, bond and their spirit. 
uh, we get to see more of our main, our key characters develop. Um, the, the, the relationship between Han and Leia as well, especially. But also Luke tapping into the Force and being upside down in the Wampa Cave, using a Force to pull that lightsaber out of the snow. So there's an awful lot in that scene, and maybe it's worth a deep dive in the future because there's so much in there. But yeah, technically, production-wise, costume design, music, uh, visually acting it's bang on it's such a fantastic way to open a sequel to the biggest film of all time and the special editions they have they've only they've only gone in and tightened it up obviously the original cut it's certainly in the snow speeders you've got the images around the frame they've taken those out in the special edition and cleaned them up as much as they can without detracting too much from the original intention and purpose and look of the scene so you know, i think the the hoff sequence is a fantastic fantastic Fantastic! I'm going to say it again. Way to start a film, and it's just a p- perfect way of uh, of escalation. Here's what we had in the first film. How do we go bigger, but without losing the soul? Fantastic, fantastic scene. So, uh, what I will do is I am going to say it's fantastic. So, yeah, it's wonderful, spectacular. Uh, would love to know what everybody's thoughts are though on that. What do, what do you guys think of the Hoff scene? Do you think it's as good as I do and my brother does? Is it overrated? Is it not rated enough? Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on that scene and also sports in the galaxy. What are the ones which I didn't mention and what would you like to see in the galaxy in terms of sports? Let us know. We'd love to hear them. Uh, that's what the Patreon section is all about. Answering questions and then pushing it all back to you guys. So, uh, Sean, Tommy, mate, thank you so much for sending those in. However, that's going to be that for this week's edition in the Bantina. Bartender. Sorry about the mess. But we're going to be back again, same time again next week for another round here in the Bantina. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, a.k.a. Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. There we have it. Usually at this point of the show, there would be a game between Luke and myself or whomever would be on the show with me. However, as I am flying solo for this final part, we are going to skip the uh, festivities of the game this week, but we are going to have another one next week, which was an absolute banger. So uh, that is going to be that then for episode 159 of Star Wars Sessions. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Thank you for Bespin Bulletin for giving up his early, late evening, early morning to come on and talk some Star Wars. We love it. You love it. Bespin loves it. The kids love it. We all love it. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. That is that, though, for this episode of Star Wars Sessions. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us? Jabba the Hud. Well, I'll tell you where you can find us at StarWarsSessions.co.uk across all of social media, including TikTok. Just search Star Wars Sessions, you're going to find us. Feel free to drop us a 30-second voice note or message to our email address, which is hello there at StarWarsSessions.co.uk. If you want to support the show further, as we mentioned earlier, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions for exclusive content. And if you want to enjoy our incredible community and join in with it, you can do on Discord. Send us a DM and we'll fix you up with a link to that. Uh, alternatively, if you want to support our show for free, you can do simply by leaving us a five-star rating or review on your podcast provider of choice, which does now include Spotify. Five stars helps the show grow, it introduces new listeners, and it's another way for me and Luke to hear from each and every one of you each week. So please, tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats. The Ewok, 
tell your cousin, tell the Best Bin Bulletin and everybody listening, the more the merrier that this is a podcast you're looking for. So until next time from me, see ya, and from Luke, who the fourth be with you, gangsters? Always. Luke. Buke. Lie. Kind of works, isn't it?